0: You're listening to the Plus Music Podcast with Brian and Nick, where we're talking to artists about what it's like to get your music heard in the ever-changing music industry. Uh, How it is to use tools like social media and other platforms as an independent artist in a changing music business. Today we sit down with Austin, Texas singer-songwriter Scott Butler of the Black and White Years. Scott joins us via Zoom for a trip down memory lane beginning with being discovered and produced by Jerry Harrison, talking heads and modern lovers fame, to holing up in his studio during quarantine and releasing what is now his fifth volume of his musical concept, Shorts. Here's more from Scott now. Welcome to the Plus Music Podcast. We're sitting down today with a member of Austin-based alternative band, Black and White Years, Scott Butler. Welcome to the show. Scott, here's a couple things that we've learned about you before we jump into the interview. Uh, We know you were discovered by the Talking Heads and Modern Lovers member Jerry Harrison at a sparsely attended party at the South by Southwest Music Festival. Uh, Jerry later went on to produce your guys' first self-titled album, Black and White Years, that went on to win five Austin Music Awards and produce a hit radio single, Power to Change. Years of touring, festivals from ACL all the way to South by Southwest, seven albums, two EPs, and 2020 touring stops. Uh, brings us up to speed to what you're working on now your fifth installment of shorts which are short form songs you've written and released on social media since you've been quarantined Uh, started as a mini thing it grew that we're going to hear more about volume one and four through four available now but you're working on volume five can't wait to hear more welcome to the show scott butler
1: awesome thanks so much for that i appreciate it you got it man
2: let's uh you know, normally we, you know, let's start from the back. I really want to hear about the short stuff, but yeah, I do let's too. start from the behind the, or when, w- when this started, or maybe just take us back even before black and white years got yeah, started. Yeah, the road there, the road to here,
0: if you will. Yeah. So how'd you
2: get <laughs> sure. into music? What's, uh, what brought you? Uh, yeah.
3: So, uh,
1: back in, uh, high school, I was really more of a theater guy. I was a musical theater guy. Loved that Ooh. stuff. Um, so I know that's, uh, that's such a cool thing to say, but uh, I was big <laughs> into musical theater uh, and I was hanging out with a friend of mine who had just gotten Magic's Music Maker on his computer. This was around about 1999, I think. <laughs> so I don't know that they're still around anymore. But anyway, uh, this music software is the first time I'd ever seen it. Uh, I was playing guitar and I have played piano since I was a little kid. Uh, But it's the first time I'd ever really been around anybody recording music or making music. It was mostly just loop-based software.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: But it grabbed my attention right away. And so uh, that Christmas, all I wanted was my own little setup, my own computer, Magic's Music Maker. Um, And I was lucky enough to get it. And uh, by the time I finished high school and entered college, I had recorded uh, 200-plus songs. I I got into it quick. Got Um, into it yeah, it was definitely kind of, uh, absorbed all of my attention. I was big into extracurriculars in high school, so I was busy all the time, but I would get home and spend until uh, two and three in the morning, just working on music. So it was clear to me right away that, um, this is something I, I really enjoy. You, uh, you had the bug. Yeah, I had the bug. It got me and it's, it's still, it still got me all the way through this, this shorts project. I still, uh, am just fascinated with it. I really enjoy it. Um, now I went to, uh, belmont university in nashville tennessee to get a music business degree Hmm. Um, i did terribly there Um, i did not get that degree Uh, (laughs) but i did uh, while i was there i I spent a lot of time in recording studios learned a lot more about audio engineering that kind of thing Um, realized i was not set out to be a business major Um, but i met the guys who i would eventually start the black and white years with Uh, and uh, after they graduated we moved uh, to austin together uh and uh, i went to i ended up in school in san marcus which is right outside of austin so Mm. um Mm. anyway so we moved to austin together and we played in a group called the trees um and it was kind of folky like alt folk i guess Mm -hmm. um and uh, you know we did not have a whole lot of success with that i was just kind of writing jokey songs about smoking pot and stuff i mean it was kind of fun but it was it worked for puff the the magic dragon hey why not you know exactly (laughs) that kind of thing uh you know that that was fine and it was good but at the beginning of the black and white years it kind of happened it was a weird way to start a group um we were still the trees and we had a drummer and we were playing these folky songs and uh our drummer just one night moved out i mean (laughs) he just moved out and moved back to wisconsin and uh So we were left without a drummer. He just bailed on that, like, (laughs) randomly? (laughs) He just bailed. Like, what do you mean
0: by that? Like, he was just no warning (laughs) and gone.
1: Yeah, it was no warning and gone situation. Now, I wasn't a roommate at that point. I was still in school in San Marcos, but the rest of the band all lived together in a house. He, they, you know, they each had a room wow. and uh, my guitarist said, yeah, we woke up this morning and his room is empty. <laughs> so That's He was crazy. just gone. So we had no drummer. <laughs> uh, so we tried out a couple of drummers uh, to replace him. Uh, and we just didn't, you know, we didn't find somebody who was simpatico. And so we kind of made a it- a weird choice uh, to replace the drummer with a synth. Uh, we So we got a Roland QS7 and programmed a bunch of MIDI drums. Mm. And if you've ever heard folk music with MIDI drums that <laughs> are trying to sound like a real drummer, it's horrible. So um, it's not something anybody would want to listen to. So we realized quickly uh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to replicate a real drummer is not going to work so yeah yeah, so what we did instead uh we were all big fans of uh like the sunlandic twins uh, of montreal we're all big fan of that and so we were like you know what let's just lean really hard into the kind of like we've got this sense we've got these midi beats let's just you know make them beats and see if we can convert these kind of acoustic folk songs into that style and uh so we made a demo Uh, that ended up becoming the Black and White Years demo. Uh, Mm. And uh, it was uh, through that admittedly badly recorded demo uh, with these MIDI drums and MIDI synths with my kind of acoustic guitar style songs that we ended up getting uh, label representation and that Jerry Harrison heard and was interested in. And so by the time we came up with the name the Black and White Years, which that was probably the hundredth name I came up with. My band, uh, we never really saw eye to eye on anything. We argued, this was a trend throughout our entire experience together as friends. We argued about everything. So uh, the Black and White Years was the name that nobody hated. And so we went with it and uh, we we started the band. We played about five shows at a pizza place. And after playing a show at a coffee shop, this guy came up to us and said, uh, uh, you know, I'd I'd like to discuss art and commerce with you, which I thought was a pretty odd thing to say. (laughs) Um, We met with him, and uh, he had been the president of Warner Brothers Music, and um, he (laughs) had heard our demo and liked it and came out, and he decided he wanted to represent us um, on the label. So it was, we had played some really lousy, sparsely attended shows, and about six months in, we we had label representation. Jerry Harrison was coming to our show.
0: The stars was, were it
1: aligning.
0: Moved, it was just yeah.
1: It moved really fast. The demo was badly recorded, as I mentioned, but in some way it made it cooler sounding. Like it mm-hmm.
2: was so character. It
1: had mm-hmm. serious character. We didn't have an audio interface, so we ran everything through an eighth inch jack, like through the headphone jack, essentially,
3: oh, wow. and
1: that has an interesting effect on the sound it was all Mm -hmm. really thin but the beats Mm -hmm. were really fat it was anyway (laughs) it worked so um that south by southwest was our first official south by southwest appearance and we knew jerry was going to be in town and he had heard the demos and he liked them and he showed up to (laughs) this show and i'm sure you guys have been to south by southwest a few times uh, Mm -hmm. i'm sure and it's Odd, the way that it works, I played, I don't know, 10 of them or something at this point. And uh, sometimes you have a show you expect it's going to be fantastic, packed, and nobody shows up. And then you've got these other ones at a tiny club, and they're so packed you can't move. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this turned out to be one of those empty shows. We played this huge patio, probably could have held 500 people, and there were maybe 20, 25. Mm -hmm. Uh, Among those 25 people were Jerry Harrison, luckily, and Slash. Mm -hmm of all people it was that's great it was odd it was yeah it was odd and, and unfortunately it was not even a good show I don't think I even did well uh but Jerry <laughs> Jerry decided it was good enough so he came over to the band house our practice space and he had us play for two and a half hours something like that
2: really just and just uh, playing songs
1: yeah he just wanted to hear everything we had and so uh I am I've always been a pretty prolific songwriter. Um, and so I, we showed off all the 30 something songs that we'd been working on. And he certainly thought that there were 10, at least that he, he could work with. So we set up to record with him in California. And a year later we were out there living, uh, in Sausalito Bay on a houseboat while I was we just recording. gonna
0: say my friend lives down the street from Jerry Harrison's studio, but that's in Sausalito in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, this it's is great. Okay, keep going. This is
1: good. Yeah, so so it's great. Um, you know, I'll be honest, the experience uh, of recording your first album with a, a producer who has been a part of two bands that were huge influences and uh that was a little intimidating uh and I, we were a, a young band at that point and it felt like such like you mentioned stars aligning mm-hmm. it, so much of it felt like preordained
3: mm-hmm. that
1: it was a bit of an uh, an odd experience for us because as things progressed months passed and we were working on the album and mixing it did not sound at all like I wanted it or how I'd imagined it and I didn't know I, at the time I just felt like I should not assert myself like, don't push like this is not mm-hmm. a thing to say like mm-hmm. just let the people who know what they're doing do what they're doing and uh there came a time at which we were getting close to finishing and I just finally kind of blew up I was like I can't I cannot do this anymore we've got to rethink this whole thing Mm -hmm. and my label was necessarily upset by that so uh what ended up happening is we spent about three weeks going back uh and remixing the album with listening to our demo listening to montreal listening to some of the stuff that was kind of like that i was really interested in gorillas and trying to sort of get bridge the gap between where we were which was sounding a little too much like 90s rock to me like it was Mm -hmm. just sounding too clean too perfect uh and the kind of more gritty raw sort of thing that I wanted and uh you know at the time uh, I probably would not have said that I loved our first record uh here I am 12 years separated from it and I think it was the right choices were made there um
0: it which which one was that was that the one with like up and uh
1: no um that was our second album pattern oh, okay. so this is okay. the song this had uh our first music video was for zeros and ones um, mm-hmm. and it had that was the final track on our first album power to change was on that album mm. um and the zeros and ones video actually has its own weird story attached to it um,
2: but uh, in the end you, you know let me ask you a question yeah. about uh mm-hmm. about that album so Have you ever gone back and listened to the first mix that you didn't like and then think, ah, you know, it wasn't that bad? Do you you listen to it and you're like, yeah, I still hate it?
1: Well, I I think I was right to want some changes. It was, um, I'll say the guy who was mixing our album is fantastically talented. He mixed uh, Stop Making Sense. His name is uh, Eric Thorngren. Uh, he's been in the business a long time. and He's a great engineering mixer. Mm. And uh, he was under the impression, and I don't know how he got this impression, uh, that we were going for a Tom Petty style thing. Mm. And so it made a lot of sense to me that it was not sounding like, because I was not going for a Tom Petty uh, <laughs> type sound. Now, we had the drummer, Steve Ferrone, who played with Tom Petty for oh, 20 years. So maybe I that's where that we've charming, gotten his, imp- Yeah, impression. He is a fantastic drummer cool. and a very um, unique person uh he was a uh, an interesting person to work with and very nice and has played with everybody and it's very clear uh this is a guy that will sit down for the first time with your song and just nail it right mm-hmm. out of the gate and you put him in pro tools and look at him on the grid and it is uncanny how good mm-hmm. he is you know i got a crazy
0: uh, story about him he uh just started playing with like the heartbreakers after um, not Rick Blair, well, Rick Blair rejoined the band, but the original drummer, um, Stuart, I, I can't blank blanking his name, I feel bad. Um, but uh, he left and Steve Ferrone started playing and our band, Louis Fourteenth, was playing this show. Uh, tickets were already gone and the club called us up and said, you know what? If you guys wouldn't mind having an opening band on that night, uh, they're called the dirty knobs and they're really just trying to prepare for an upcoming tour. They only want like 40 minutes time dirty. Knobs. And like we showed up and it was Mike Campbell, Rick Blair, Steve Farone and um, like Ben Montench, like basically the heartbreakers that just Mike Campbell sing and played guitar. They played like all rock standards, but just kind of getting into a groove together and um his drumming absolutely blew me away yeah he's a human like metronome he is a f- yeah. phenomenal drummer i don't think he's underrated but i think more people should know who he is you know
1: yeah he's he's fantastic i'd never heard of him at the time when we started to work with him mm-hmm. uh but getting into his uh, little studio in la it was the walls are just plastered with pictures of him with you know, everybody you can think of, you know, Stevie Wonder, and obviously Tom Petty, as we've mentioned, but there were, there were so many, I, one, uh, so great. I couldn't name them all, but, uh, anyway, so there had been a mistaken impression. We were looking for more of a Tom Petty vibe. I wanted something, <laughs> you know, very different. Uh, and I really think bridging the gap, we, we actually landed in a place that's sounds untethered from time in some weird way. It does not at the time when it came out, I still thought it sounded dated. Um, and listening to it now, I honestly think it's not clear whether that was recorded in 1984, 1994, 2004, uh, you know, it's like it just or, or modern times. Uh, it's it just it's interesting, I think, in yeah. that way, not to call it timeless, but it mm-hmm. certainly does not feel of a time. Uh, and there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. So much music from 2008 really does sound like 2008
3: um Mm -hmm. and that
1: album just doesn't
3: uh
1: but yeah so that was it was a great experience it was a great learning experience for me to learn that uh really if you have a strong gut feeling that something is maybe going a little differently than you want you should probably just say something Mm -hmm. um it's better to assert yourself in the moment, hopefully kindly assert yourself in the moment Mm -hmm. than to let things go on for months. And yeah, or you learn the hard way.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. With regret. That's crazy. That studio. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fast forward now it's a yoga studio and there's like a little restaurant there. It's kind of a bummer, but (laughs) um, did you ever go to that bar right there on the edge? Like on the entrance to some, I think it's called like Triton's. It's like a nice seafood, um, restaurant but has a killer bar and it's just like right on it's literally kind of down down the street and around the corner from the where the studio is that you're talking about but it was a long time ago and i know that neighborhood's changed you know
1: i don't recall that but i'll, I'll be honest it was also my first experience with medical marijuana so uh mm. it's possible i went there and i just don't remember. <laughs> um it was
2: you, let me ask kind of that's halfway a term let me ask you a right. question scott um sure so, you know, a lot of the stuff we talk about here is like just little lessons or like things that you picked up along the way, right? Like, I don't want to stop the progression of the band. We'll get back into the storyline, but you know, up until now, like a couple of things have come across that- uh, Nice chimes. Is that nice time? Nice chime. Um, we're going to just pretend like we're going to keep going so what were the (laughs) what were the things that that came up that you think you made the right decisions like it sounds like a lot of stuff was just happenstance but Mm -hmm. you know there's constant everybody's all bands have to make decisions and some small decisions become really good big decisions some big decisions become not that important what were the what were the things that you, up until, like, you got signed and you have, you know, you record recording records, what were the things that you think made the difference for you guys?
1: Well, I, I think the main one is that we stuck together, the three of us. As I, as I mentioned earlier, we never got along very well. As friends, we fought about everything. Um, doesn't seem like that would be a great recipe for a band, but in some ways... Seems like
0: every successful band has a little bit of internal rift. So it's a, that's of, not out of the ordinary.
1: Yeah, in, in a way, it would have been easy to just say, you know what, yeah, <laughs> screw these guys. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I would rather, you know, get some guys that I just see eye to eye on everything with. But, you know, that we came from different musical backgrounds and, that we had to argue about everything and that I had to justify the decisions that I made as a songwriter, I think ended up making me a lot more capable of stating what I wanted and why I wanted it, not just that I wanted it Uh, from a musical standpoint, but also just from a style creative standpoint, I had to be willing to defend every decision I made because they would call me out on it. Um, Mm -hmm. and we stuck together for we were we were all great friends and worked together musically for uh, nearly 15 years and I think that was uh, I think that was a really important good choice that I made Um, I learned a lot from those guys and specifically from us not getting along all the time and having to hash things out
2: there's something about friction Mm -hmm. I think that that that, you know creatively makes makes things work you know Mm -hmm. you think the it sucks,
3: but it's also
2: the thing that keeps people, like you said, like, because you have to defend your ideas or because you have to, you know, the best idea tends Mm -hmm. to win in those situations. It becomes more meritocracy if it's, if it's the right situation. And Yeah, Yeah, music that gets along kind of blows, doesn't it? Like, what would the Beatles
0: be if John and Paul were best buds (laughs) or Mick and Keith within the Stones? Like, you got to have that tension. Like, music that really gets along is Journey. But when it starts to kind of get pissed, it goes Steve Perry solo, which sounds like Journey there you go that's pretty funny though that would be a good bit
2: (laughs) i mean that might be why like a lot of solo albums just aren't that good because you're at that point where i'm doing exactly what i want like maybe that's not exactly what needs to happen right um interesting yeah absolutely there's Mm -hmm.
1: something to that for sure and you know my guitarist came from he was obsessed with tool he was really into like hard rock and my the bassist john was like a total hippie guy he came from like this jam world uh the first sentence i ever heard out of his mouth uh we were in a meet and greet at belmont they asked uh what we were listening to right now and john with his long dreads and long goatee, said i've been listening to a lot of experimental accordion music lately wow and so uh i thought this is this is a guy who I might get along with. I don't know what experimental accordion <laughs> music sounds like, and I may not like it, but uh, anyway, so he, he just, and and I came from this kind of musical theater uh, background. I, Stephen Sondheim is still my favorite songwriter. Uh, Rufus Wainwright is another one of my favorites. Uh, that's not musical theater, but it's also very kind of stuffy. He's great storytelling
0: so, too. Yeah. yeah. He's great. And so, you know, I,
1: I kind of came from that background and more like songwriter lyric uh, where the lyric is super important kind of background. Mm -hmm. And it it was good. I think us pushing against each other really did make the black and white Years a different sounding group. And when we would play with other groups in Austin, I think there was, that came across on stage too. We really did not always get along. And uh, we played with so many very nice bands. Uh, I think they were a little flabbergasted. Sometimes we would show up and we were all so angry with each other, but we would get on stage and it was, it really somehow the tension, it really did work. Um, uh, it, was, it was a good uh, experience for a long, long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, life goes on we get older you know my guitarist mm-hmm. ended up having a family and he moved on and he's got a great job and a wife and kids and you know you things to move on
2: and now it's yeah, basically cool. just me left, but that's cool though mm-hmm. yeah and so um circle back to any things that that you want but maybe it's a good time we jump into those shorts because we got a you yeah. know uh, not too much time left with you but uh I, I love sure. to hear about that because I like it just instantly. I'm like, that's so the way people listen to music now. Yeah, it feels yeah, so like, now. TikTok. Yeah. It's like, if you listen, if you look at the hit songs on TikTok, they're typically not really a song, kind of like they're mostly like <laughs> a hook that repeats. It did like yeah, a bunch totally. of times in the song, and it's like, you know, it's enough to get into a dance groove mm-hmm. around, and then, then they just like make it long enough to fit onto. onto show up on spotify right um yeah so what, what yeah, was no, you that, thinking that was, around it
1: that was a real consideration for me at, at once i started mixing them and putting them on spotify is like if you don't meet the one minute threshold it's not going to get served up to people by the algorithm so suddenly it was like oh crap you know maybe, maybe i should have written slightly longer shorts but um so wait what is, is that,
0: it, that again it has yeah, to be. So, a,
1: a minute long, I, I, I believe 59 seconds or more, it has to be for the algorithm to serve it up to people on their just like random playlist. They're wow. not gonna just serve up good
0: information things. to know. Yeah, that's good to know. Because there was that yeah.
2: Sleepify thing, which was like- So everything a was bunch, a minute long. No, there were a bunch of 30 second clips. And it was, because before it used to be after 30 seconds of playing a song, they would, would get they would issue you a royalty for the play but so this band this this band uh, there's like an article you can get onto it but i remember it they they did an album called sleepify and it was a bunch of short songs so they like were ticking like a bunch of of, of royalties each time right and so it's kind of genius like to just find that little loophole and they're like just do this while you sleep and it would just go over and over and over and again but Um, Yes, we
1: have that guy to thank for it being one minute now.
2: uh, (laughs) Uh, Even so, um,
1: yeah, so the Shorts project actually came around uh, uh, because I did not know what to do with social media. I've always been from the MySpace days. I've always been confused about how to interact with my fans in a way that doesn't feel like. I I always feel embarrassed about it. I don't know. I'm like, I write something. I'm like, this is totally embarrassing. I just feel like either the fans are going to feel like I'm being condescending or that Mm -hmm. I'm being like trying to be too funny. I, you know, anyway, I didn't know what to do with social media. And uh, my guitarist had set up an Instagram for us and I just had no idea what to do with it. And uh, I I was following Dan Harmon uh, of Rick and Morty and Community. And Dan Harmon was doing these silly little short songs that where he would be driving around in his car and he would sing these kind of ridiculous things. And I thought, you know, maybe I could do my version of that. I mean, maybe I could just make up these extemporaneous little songs and just see what happens. And so I did the first one, which was called post-it. And uh, I did just make up the lyrics as I was going, I came up with a little chord progression, recorded myself, film myself recording exactly like I'm doing with you right here. And, um, it was fun man, it was easy. Um, And so I did another one and another one. And by the time I got to maybe short number four or five, uh, it was no longer extemporaneous. I started writing down the lyrics. And by the time I got to like 12 or 15, these were becoming like full production things. And uh, by the time I got to short number 48, it was like a four minute song. It was not even short anymore. So uh, they increasing in complexity and in length, Uh, And I did a a new song about every, sometimes every week, but more often about every two weeks for about 14 months. And uh, it was really interesting. Uh, It was a great experience experience for me and an experiment in uh, sort of live performing because I was filming myself doing these vocals. I had to one take them. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'll have a great take, but then you flub the last word or you flub the last sentence or forget the lyric or whatever it is. (laughs) And so in that sense, it would get infuriating. I'd have to just keep doing them until I got a good take that also looked good on camera uh, and that I could use when I was mixing. There was one where I got a perfect take. I thought it looked great. I had mixed the song and I was putting the video together in After Effects and realized I had a piece of nut in my teeth that I had not seen when I recorded it so I had to go back and do the whole damn thing again oh. uh yeah that's not great uh but so I don't necessarily recommend everybody do, doing it this way right. uh, but I kept saying I'm going to do 20 of these or, no okay I'll do 25 okay I'll do 30 and then once I got to about 32 I was like okay 50 is literally I'm not doing more than 50 of these so I, I did stop at shorts number 50 uh they're all on my Instagram account at the black and white years. Uh, most of them are on my Facebook as well. Uh, they're, some of them are very short, a minute and less. Uh, some are you know, up to about four minutes. So it's uh, it was a lot of fun. I went stylistically a lot of different places. Uh, it was just me. My wife joined me for several vocals um, as well, but otherwise it was just a solo thing uh, most of this you know, a lot of it happened during quarantine as well of uh. course so uh i didn't have a whole lot of choice about it being just me and my wife but it was a great experience i'm not sure i would do it uh i would do 51 through 100 i'm not sure i'll do that um or at least i won't film myself
0: so <laughs> is volume five essentially shorts 40 to 50 it is
1: 41 through 50 absolutely wow. okay yeah. all right The they're on social media right now but those are not like the mix and mastered when I am setting up for the volume release on Spotify I dig back into all of those things and really you know really you really go through and mix Mm -hmm. them Uh, because I was trying to turn and burn them so fast I didn't really have time to do much more than a balance get everything sounding pretty good right most of you know on your social media account you're probably listening to it out of your phone speakers anyway so nobody's gonna notice if it's not perfect
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, so what what are musicians do you think um do you just on the conversation of of social media what musicians do you think do social media well
3: oh
0: man um or even anybody like, what do you
2: I like yeah, Jack Blacks. Jack Box is funny. You know, I, I, <laughs> sure that's good. Is good. I,
1: I really uh I know I already referenced Dan Harmon, but I liked his approach to things. He's such a funny guy, but some of what he posts is not at all funny. I love Amy sedaris's approach oh, she's to social hilarious. media.
3: Yeah, yeah, she
1: is fantastic. Um you know, I'll I'll be honest. I'm not sure. I, I don't follow a whole lot of musicians. I follow a ton of illustrators and dog accounts. Uh, but uh, I love dogs. Uh, plenty of those are great. No, I just I, I maybe don't have the the right examples. Maybe that's why I don't know how to do social media that oh, well. Yeah. I had to just kind of forge my own path with
2: it. Yeah. No, it's just worth the question. I mean, it's yeah. It's like it's always changing. I feel like social media is. I get this sense that social media is on at least the 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 version of it that exists today um is on like some kind of decline you know and it'll be replaced by something else i mean there's clubhouse that's out there right now that's pretty fun to interact with mostly because a lot of interesting people are on there just having Mm -hmm. a conversation are you familiar with clubhouse
1: Yeah, I actually think you guys shot out an email about that the other day. It's the first time I'd ever heard of it. Yeah, yeah, it's just
2: it's what they call social audio, right? So, and um, they did a good job of attracting a lot of um, thought leader, celebrity type people. Mm -hmm. But it's not cheesy, right? Like they're actually having human conversations about whatever you know like mm-hmm. I was listening to this one today about bitcoin uh and like crypto just because i'm always like trying to it's you know it's interesting to me it's interesting technology and like this that guy neil strauss the he's a writer for rolling stone um has done like a bunch of he, he wrote the motley crew book and a couple other things like that but he was on the call like just talk he's super interested in it so it's like random you see these random people in there, you know, Um, whether that'll last forever. It's just the evolution of maybe a little bit more substance, I think, is where things are. tending. Totally. It seems
0: like those are getting more focused, like even the LinkedIn's social network for professionals. I think it's gonna maybe one day weed out kind of the Facebook and Instagram and TikTok just start to feel a little more after a while.
1: <laughs> I would agree with that. Or yeah. Jerry
0: Springer, if you will. Yeah. Like Kind of yeah. just like waste of time TV at times where if it's like there's good and bad in social media and AI and everything, you know? But how do you use it in a place to want to keep learning you want to advance it's fun to keep learning it's fun to be with like-minded people do i have to thumb through like sheeps farting videos and things to <laughs> trump rants and things just to get to those people or yeah. does a place now exists where you can only do that you know
1: right i mean i guess music has kind of done that over the last 30 years where you know, you had, I don't know, maybe in the sixties, you had a couple of genres and now it's gotten so segmented. Everybody's yeah. got their own little narrow- That's what.
0: Yeah. Radio is like,
2: you have to go through farting sheeps to get to yeah. a good song.
1: Totally.
0: That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The,
2: uh, the, and I see the, the evolution of music, like we brought and talked about that at the beginning of the call, where I see um, like, if you look at the songs that are making it on TikTok they're formatted differently they're just formatted differently why because the format doesn't matter the the radio format doesn't matter right and songs our songs as we know them especially pop music stuff that was popular has always been driven by the medium that they delivered it on right the record had so many so much space to be able to play so they you know songs got shorter so they could put more on their radio time in between commercials they needed to have x amounts of songs had to be this way Mm -hmm. and you know then album tracks could go longer or they could be different because they were at home but uh and now spotify like people just click through songs on spotify like that you know they don't listen all the way through
1: it's different, it's unless different. It's, it's in different. the
2: background, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then you have this new medium, which is I'm gonna interact with music. I'm actually gonna make it my soundtrack mm-hmm. to something that I'm doing, and then all I need for that is thirty seconds, or fifteen, or seven seconds to make that happen. So I don't care about the rest of the song, I mm-hmm. just this nugget. Uh, it really sunk in. I watched
0: the Super Bowl half uh, like the Super Bowl with my nieces. And uh, this commercial came on and they go, Uncle Brian, this is my new favorite song, my new favorite artist, so-and-so. I said, oh, this is really cool. And, and my niece who's, you know, 14 goes, yeah, but this isn't the real version. This is like a really weird version of it. And cause the commercial was like a minute and a half long. It was like a long Apple commercial, you know? And uh, like a real heartwarming one and, when I asked her to see the real version and checked out the real version on the TikTok, it's totally formatted with, "Bam!" out with the chorus into just a little thing, and it's gone. But the way the commercial was formatted was, gentle intro, and it <laughs> built up to the thing. Then my niece is right. like, this is a weird version of it. This is weird. This yeah. is longer <laughs> than seven seconds, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: I, I've been really impressed with, uh, yeah tyler the creator in particular uh but like kendrick lamar as well uh in the hip-hop world just the formatting of songs is just so different they just mm-hmm. take such odd risks like things that have just never even occurred to me to try
2: yeah. kendrick uh, lamar's music's really good I don't know why he just dropped off he hasn't put anything out in a while right but oh, man if you do
1: to pimp a butterfly i'm not sure you ever have to
2: do anything else if you don't want to just you know that it's
1: about as- Good as it gets to me. I just cannot. He fathom. won the Nobel
2: Prize for poetry or art. For he did. There's he did won some award. I'm pretty sure it was a Nobel Prize. Um, yeah, really. interesting. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Uh, I wonder where it'll go. I think <laughs> it's just gonna again. It'll always be driven by the medium in which we experience it. Like VR yeah. is gonna do something to it. We just don't know because there's. It hasn't taken hold yet not everybody has a headset or uh-huh. whenever we have glasses that you know affect our reality and then you know the music's there too that'll change it all those things are going to change things um what'll be weird is to see how tick tock people turn out on uh, to show when they start doing live if that's the medium they started on how they turn that into a live but that's really not that difficult. You just work with somebody who knows how to put a show together and you're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, like, uh, like Little Nas X or something. You just hire the best choreographer and like, you know, showmaker and you're fine. You're good. There but, you go. <laughs> um, So, what's, uh, what's, you know, aside from the 50 tracks that you're doing, what's, what's next for you musically?
1: Yeah. So, um, we, actually i have an album recorded called less awful which i did with danny reich uh he's a longtime collaborator with us he produced and mixed uh this album uh it's that's the album should come out sometime this year i've been honestly sitting on it since 2019 i wasn't sure what the best way to release it was and i didn't understand spotify the way to navigate that but uh it's less awful that album it's got a pretty different sound from the other black and white ears <laughs> think such
0: a great type like, it's, all, like it's like
1: i don't know if you're fucking with me or not it's- no less awful it's i actually have less awful.com is our band's website so you can check right. them out there. But it's got a very uh, Nilsson vibe. I was going for oh, that cool. late 60s, early 70s yeah. kind of vibe. I nearly called it Years Schmears. Ah. Uh, <laughs> another reference to the Nils. No, I realized Wilco already did that. Didn't they do Wilco Schmilco or something like that? I was like, well, everybody's going to think we're ripping on Wilco. Um, I, don't know. But, no, I don't know. I don't remember that one. Well, anyway, I when I searched it, I saw that some other modern band had already done it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, yeah, so that's on its way. I've already got that. I've released five of those. <laughs> those tracks on spotify as singles already so oh,
2: cool. um
1: uh, you know i've got volume five coming up of shorts beyond that i just i really don't have a whole lot of plan uh doing 50 songs in a little over a year i've been a little burnt out <laughs> writing oh, songs nice. for a that, minute
2: the last um, wow this last for a while for sure
1: yeah that'll that it got a lot of stuff out of my system i'll definitely say that and i'm an illustrator as well and i've been animating a lot um and that was always a big dream of mine Bef- way before I wanted to be an illustrator I always wanted to be an animator and uh, I animated our music video for the song soon it came out in uh, 2019 and that was my first time animating something it was a lot of fun and I've been doing a lot of that so uh, my social media on Instagram is basically just shorts videos and weird drawings and animations and things and so I'll certainly be doing a lot more of that as well
0: um, awesome and where is it that's at the black and white years obviously right. but do you have a <laughs> uh, do you have just the scott mutler one or i don't scott animates
1: no at, at the black and white years but I'm, it's taking care of all of it i'm just okay, posting awesome. it all up there it's a it's Excellent. just an art project altogether for me now so,
2: so uh well since we, as we wrap up here where where should everybody find you besides at the black and white Ears instagram where's yeah
1: that? um so our, our website is uh, lessawful.com. That's great. Uh, a lot of that stuff is on there. Um, I, I also have just a lot of the music up there. You can stream it directly from the website as well. Um, you know, those are really the best places. Of course, we've got a Facebook like everybody else, like, like your grandmother, we have a Facebook. Um, so, um, you know, those are really the best places to, to catch what we're doing and to keep up with me. I, I really probably keep my Instagram more updated than anything else. Cool. Uh, cool. And, yeah, I'm Thought doing my best to navigate this social media situation. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, it'll change. That's the one thing. And you, you'll finally get a hold of it, and then there'll be something else. It's going to be off onto something. else. Mm-hmm. that's fine.
1: I loved MySpace. I, why can't we just go back to MySpace? <laughs> I was a fan. Still there. I was a fan of Is it still there? Yeah, there. it
2: relaunched or something. <laughs> it relaunched into zombie mode. Yeah, it's a no, I, I get it. The, MySpace had a, had a, had a charm to it. It really did. It had a moment and um, it was it was cool until it got really blingy. Here yeah. Remember that? It got like,
1: way over it the sparkly. top. It got yeah, you sparkly.
2: Could, you could just throw shit in the back, or you could grab like HTML code, to, remember, and put it in the back. Yeah. And the it HTML just,
1: ruined it. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, I mean, honestly, the internet of today could probably handle MySpace as it was, but the internet of that time was just too slow to load all it was ahead
0: cameras. of its time. It was mm-hmm. way ahead
1: of its time but as a band though it was so nice having music that would just start playing your you know you can set your music to auto play when they came to your site and it was you know there was something nice about that whereas yeah. you know you visit a band's facebook and it's yeah you can you click through dig, the you gotta dig, you gotta dig. The
2: music yeah yeah
1: it's just it's still not set up just right for musicians the way that myspace seemed kind of intuitively set up for mm-hmm. for bands it just as you mentioned was it gave you too much freedom, if, uh, to yeah mess your page up, if you will.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, <laughs> the days of old, the days, the days of old, of old the days of new. <laughs> so Scott, it's uh, been great chatting with you. Totally, man. Thanks for, man. A, Thanks for sharing the stories and really uh, fun again and tell the rest of the stories of the band. But um, uh,
0: but uh, hey, let us play a um, song out for. I know you got some new stuff. I know you got some old stuff, but yeah. First impression, our, most of our listeners are artists themselves or fans of other bands. What can we um, play them out as a good first impression of what you do?
1: Well, I've got a, a brand new song that's coming out on the 12th of February. It's going to be up on Spotify. It's called Hamlet and Horatio. Uh, it is the 40 fir- 41st entry in my shorts project. Yeah. Uh, it's a little over two minutes long, so it's not that short, but uh, it is... Uh, I guess it's a breakup song, but it's not sad. Um, I don't know how else to really describe it. It's a, it's a vibey sort of breakup song,
0: but. Cool. Um, all right. Yeah, Hamlin and Horatio. All, all right. right. Excellent, man. Well, here it
1: is.
3: So
0: thanks again, Scott. And we'll talk to you thank soon, stay safe.
2: Thank you. Home. All right, you see you guys.
3: Strange all these changes we undergo. Still we stick with the tricks we know So, 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 away we go Good intentions don't matter bro But I have some I'd let you borrow So, 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 away we go Pick this place up, turn the sheets over All in your honor, will that satisfy? I don't know, but I know that it used to Say I wake up, call a do-over, fight this monster Did I take too long? I don't know, but it's break up and make do I can't say I told you so So, 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 away we go Strange all these changes we undergo Still we stick to the tricks we know So, 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 away we go Is this a no matter falling action? I cannot watch this imposter wearing your skin This place is littered with broken barometers I vacillate between pardon and manslaughter i a geek, but I'm not weak I'm learning slowly You're not the first one to hold me, then hurt me My brain is saying that the song's in an end But my heart wins the coin toss Maybe nine out of ten, so Till you hand me the antidote I'll just stick to the tricks I know So Sa, so, so.